Luke in chapter 24. We will begin with the resurrection story and then I will go all through the scriptures um, to show you three different types of resurrection. And before you get all weird on me and say three, yes, I'm telling you three. Uh, so don't, don't panic, just stay with me. Let's read Luke chapter 24, 1 through 12. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And it happened that while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men suddenly stood near them in dazzling apparel. And as the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living one among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and the third day rise again? And they remembered his words and returned from the tomb and reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now they were Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James, also the other women with them, were telling these things to the apostles, and these words appeared to them as nonsense, and they would not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen wrappings only, and he went away to his home, marveling at that which had happened. Let's pray. Father, we come to you through the precious name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Asking this morning for clarity in your word, for power. Lord, um, we pray that we would be able to see and understand the resurrection and, and what it accomplished and what will happen. And so, Lord, we love you and we thank you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Happy resurrection morning, guys. Glad y'all are here. I'm glad you're here. It's because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that we can stand justified before the Father. Right? If he would have died on the cross and just died, it would not have been enough. But because he was raised on the third day, we can stand justified before the Father. See, if there is any praise due unto him... Any praise at all, it's due to the Lord. Any admiration, any loyalty, any love, any devotion, it's all due to Him. Because not only did He die for the ungodly, pay attention, the Father was pleased with His perfect sacrifice. And He raised Him up for the ungodly. You got to understand this. This is, this is a beautiful doctrine. The resurrection is something that is gorgeous. Because he rose, we will too. Amen. Yes, yes. If the Lord tarries and we go to the grave and sleep, we know that our souls will be with the Lord, but our spirits and but our bodies will be here. And, and if that's the case, then we know that we will rise too one day. Yes. 
The scripture tells us in 1 Thessalonians to comfort one another with these things. And so it's something that we must do. So we know for a fact that Jesus, though he was dead, rose from the dead. He was real flesh. He was real bone. He was real. He was not a phantom. He was not an angel. He was an actual person. Eye sockets, eyeballs, teeth, hair, arms, toes. Ten fingers, ten toes. He was real. He's actually the second person of the Trinity. This morning I want us to consider three types of resurrection. Three types. And I know that may sound odd to to some, but let's go there. The first one, without a doubt, is the resurrection of the lost soul that is replaced with a living soul. The lost soul that is replaced with the living soul. The second is the resurrection of the righteous in the end. And the third is the resurrection of the wicked in the end. Paul tells us in Acts 24 and 15, just as Daniel does in uh, Daniel chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 that we just read. As he stood and as he preached here, Paul says, There shall certainly be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So let's address the first that we spoke of earlier. The dead soul. Spiritually dead. Those that are dead spiritually. But are alive walking amongst us. Dead men. You can call them in today's lingo, zombies. Foreign to all good. Alienated from all righteousness. The dead soul revived. Ephesians in chapter 2 and verse 1. We know this verse and we have beat this verse down like a drum. But I'm going to tell you something. There's power in it because it shows us where we are without Jesus. Paul tells the church at Ephesus in verse 1 that you were dead in trespasses and sins. What kind of dead are we talking about here? What kind of dead does he mean? Spiritually dead. Spiritually cold. Ice cold. No joy. No peace. No love. Dead. He's talking the, the spirit, the soul is dead. Gray dead. You understand where I'm coming from? Purple and blue, dead. At the bottom of the ocean, not even floating anymore, dead. Do we understand? A soul of stone, dead. And that's even according to Ezekiel in chapter 36. The hard stone, the hard heart that must be replaced with something that's alive. And then in Ezekiel 37, you see the valley of the dry bones. And the scripture teaches us that they were dry, very dry, is what it says. 
They were not only dead, but they were very dead. Does that make sense? Dry. Like Sarah's womb in the Old Testament in the book of Genesis, right? (laughs) I want you to think about it. It tells us in the book of Genesis that she was past her age to conceive. She was barren. But the Lord saw fit to resurrect her womb and to bring it to life. So that that godly seed could be called through, through that lineage. But her womb was dead. Barren, fruitless. The inner man without life, without breath, without vibrancy, dead. But it doesn't just stop here because we have to see that the Scripture teaches us. Paul goes on to say that this death was not just dead, dead, but they were in the gutter dead. Listen to what it says. Those that were in their dead in their trespasses and in their sins. So it wasn't just a death, but no, they were in their trespasses and in their sins. Trespasses to go against and to break the law, to break something, to, 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 uh, to break the Ten Commandments, if you will. Sins to completely miss the mark. Bankrupt. Of anything good spiritually, completely bankrupt. In the gutter, bankrupt. This dead man, and this may sound weird to say, but this dead man is awake to all sorts of sins, but not to righteousness. He's awake to all sorts of sins. He's awake to the lusts of the flesh, is he not? The scripture teaches us in Ephesians chapter 2 that they formerly walked in those lusts. That's the gutter that Paul's talking about. The way that seems right to man. That's what he's talking about. Dead. The lusts of the flesh. The desires of the flesh. Idolatry. Placing things. Placing things before the Creator. What can we place before our Jesus? There's a whole lot of things that we could put before our Jesus. And in fact, people do. And it's called idolatry. We do it with work. We do it with fun. We do it with our spouses and our children and our money and self and sex and sin and all of the different things that you can imagine. We place them on pedestals before the Lord. It's called idolatry. And at one time we walked in that, but the Lord has brought us out. Materialism is something that I see nowadays that that just goes unmarked and goes untalked about. Hoarding up for ourselves things that will just place us further and further in debt with the Lord. Wanting to have more. Wanting to go and and there's nothing wrong with having fun and there's nothing wrong with enjoying this life. But I want us to understand that if that's all you were looking for, is enjoyment in this life, there is a problem. Amen. You might be spiritually dead. Yes. Because I'm not looking forward to just this life. 
My knees are beginning to hurt, Brother Nelson. I'm 39, my knees are hurting. I played a lot of ball in school. My knees are beginning to hurt. You know what that tells me? That's a sign that my body is beginning to die. And if all I had to look forward to was this life, poor, pitiful me, that would be just terrible. If we're living for this life, my goodness, you're in a pitiful plight. You're in a terrible shape. Examine your heart. You living for this life? It'll give you nothing. You'll have a little bit of fun here and there. But before you know it, you'll be 75, then you'll be 85. And if you live to be 95, bless your heart. But you're going to give up the ghost one day. There will be no more pleasures of the flesh. No more idolatry. Idolatry. Adultery. Lying. Stealing. You talk about trespasses, you talk about sins. You were dead in your trespasses and in your sins. Lying and stealing and cheating and cursing and anger and fits of rage and gossips. Busybodies. Disobedient to parents. But what it boils down to is dead to the righteousness that is required to stand before a holy and a living God. Dead to it. See, we must be raised from that death. That spiritual death we must be raised for, and that's why I call it a spiritual resurrection. Because there must be a transformation that takes place before we can ever experience the second resurrection where we'll stand before the Lord and be crowned. There must be an internal resurrection before there can be an external for the child of God. Has to be. There's no other way around it. Ephesians chapter 2 looks very, very bleak and grim. However... We know according to Scripture, God has a plan for His elect, does He not? In the same book, three verses down, it tells us in verse 4, but what? But God. Praise God this morning that He interjects in our life, right? And if you don't have Him, this is foolishness to you. But I have Him and I praise God that He interjected in my life. I don't like a lot of people interjecting in my life. Sticking their nose where it don't belong. Minding my business instead of their own. I don't like that too often. But I'm glad God did. I'm glad He stuck His nose to me. I'm glad he looked at me. I'm glad he interjected in my life. And I'm glad he called me out of that gutter. He resurrected me, if you will. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together in Christ. By grace are you saved. 
Salvation, the reviving, the resurrection of the soul from a cold, dead stone to a warm heart of flesh that can feel is from God and God alone. And this is the first resurrection. This is the first resurrection. We have to understand that. The Lord has taken something that was broken. He has taken something that was completely in the gutter. And he picked it up and he didn't just dust it off. He made it new. He made it holy. And he made it pure. And he put inside of it something that was incorruptible called the Holy Spirit. If you remember in the account of creation... If you go back into Genesis in chapter 1, you'll see that on the third day, as the waters were being divided and they were being put into their places, the dry land appeared. And then when the dry land appeared, it began to produce fruit bearing seed and of its own. And we see that this, this ground emerged from the waters. And when it did, it began to bear much fruit. And we can't help but to notice that when someone is saved by the Lord God Almighty, that their soul is resurrected and they are alive to the things of God. They walk after the things of God. They, they yearn after the things of God. They are not comfortable with sin any longer. They have a new relationship with sin. Yes, amen. The resurrection of the soul yes. is the first that we see. Without the first resurrection, a person, his inner man, his soul remains dead. I do not have the power, nor do you, to speak this, to speak to this type of dead heart. I can't do it. It is a gift of God, not of works. At least any man should boast. The spirit makes alive, the flesh profits nothing. I could go on and on. And so we know that it's only a personal God from a call from God that awakens the soul. And the conscious to understand sin, to understand guilt, to understand shame, and to run to the Savior for salvation. And that is the first resurrection that we see in Scripture. The second one that I want to show you is the resurrection of the godly. The resurrection of the godly. In the end, number two. The resurrection in the end, God will call the actual body out of the ground to meet up with the Spirit in the air. This is a truth of Scripture that we believe. Do you believe that? Do you believe the body will actually die? Somebody other than William, May, and Joanne. The body is going to die. And the scripture teaches us very clearly that the Lord is going to raise that body back up one day according to scripture. Though our physical bodies may be dead, yet it will rise in the end at the command of the Lord. You say, what will that be like? I don't know. It ain't happened yet for me. It ain't happened yet for you. 
I can give you some scriptural examples that I think will get us there. Bones will take on flesh and will be glorified and transformed for his glory. In Genesis 5, 2 through 24, we see the story of Enoch. We see a picture of what, or 21 through 24, we see a picture of what it will be like when we're clothed in the resurrection. Enoch walked with God and the scripture says that he didn't taste of death. For the Lord took him. Yes. How did he take him? Did he come down and karate chop him and knock him out? Say you must die first and then in my arms but you're not really dead I'm, and then I'll take you and then you're going to be new? No. He was alive. He walked with him for 65 years or 300 years I think. 300 years. And he was alive when the Lord came and got him. He did not taste of death. death and this is a representative of what it will be like for us in that day. See, he was actual bone and flesh when the Lord took him. Don't tell me for a second that Enoch and Elijah are going to be the only two there that are clothed right now. No, we will be like them one day. We will be like them. With eyes and ears and hair and arms, legs, ribs and toes. Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2 was viewed by Elisha to have not died but to have been carried up into heaven in a chariot of fire. So here we have two, Enoch and Elijah both. Gives us a pretty good idea of what it will be like on the resurrection morning when our bodies that are in the grave meet up with our spirits in the air and we have a glorified body. This is what I believe it will look like. Another example is Jesus Christ when he rose from the dead. He told Thomas, touch my hands, reach in my side, look at me. I am real. I am bone and flesh. I am real. He ate on the seashore with them. He cooked with them. He walked with them and was seen by all sorts of people. He was real. So if you want to ask yourself what your body will be like on the resurrection morning, we have Enoch, we have Elijah, but we also have Jesus Christ. There's ample proof of the resurrection throughout the Scripture. The scripture teaches us like Enoch and Elijah, we will be known. It tells us that we will be known as we are known here. Bobby, I'll know you. May, may, I'll know you. I mean, if the rich man burning in hell knew who Abraham was, what about the elect of God who are joined together from the angels of God, gathered into glory, will we not know who our people are? Well, that's, that's heresy to say that we won't know. That's crazy. That is crazy. We will know our loved ones, we will see them again. Because Jesus Christ rose and beat death, so will his loved ones. Without a doubt.
1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 through 18. We know the text, but it's worthy of our attention this morning on this, on this day. 1 Thessalonians, you don't have to turn there, I've already got it. You can write this down. 4, 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who were asleep. That's our loved ones, those that died in Christ. That you may not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore comfort one another with these words. This is fact. It is true. Jesus rose again and the saints of God will too. You cannot get around it. Job believed in the resurrection of the righteous and so did Abraham, so did Isaiah, so did Hosea, so did David, so did Daniel, so did Ezekiel. The prophets and the kings, the people in the Old Testament, they believed that there would be a resurrection one day. This was a common doctrine that was taught in the Old Testament. Job, one of, Job is one of the oldest books that we have. And he said it, I mean, the clearest and the best. Job in 19 and 25, and as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives. And at the last, he will take his stand on the earth even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I shall see God, whom I myself shall behold, and whom my eyes shall see, and not another. Job believed in the resurrection. Let me read to you. Another 14 verses. You say, 14 verses? It's Easter. We got food to eat, y'all. Well, let's read something that's worthy of our attention on this Easter Sunday because the only reason you're going to get to eat that food on this Lord's Day is because the Lord has given you life to breathe in and out on this Lord's Day. So you better pay attention. Listen to what it said in Job in chapter 14 and verse 1. All about man dying and all about him living again. Man who was born of a woman is short-lived and full of turmoil. Like a flower, he comes forth and with. He also flees like a shadow and does not remain. Thou also dost open thine eyes on him and bring him into judgment with thyself. Who can make the clean out of the unclean? No one. Since his days are determined, the number of his months is with thee, and his limits thou hast set so that he cannot pass. Turn thy gaze from him that he may rest until he fulfills his day like a hired man. For there is hope for a tree. Now listen to what he says. He says if there's a tree that's cut down, something's going to happen to that tree. Though it's dry and though there's a stump, something may just spring back to life from it. Listen to what he says. 
Though its roots grow old, or verse 7, for there is hope for a tree when it is cut down that it will sprout again and its shoots will not fail. Though its roots grow old in the ground and its stump dies in the dry soil, at the scent of water it will flourish and put forth sprigs like a plant. But man dies and lies prostrate. Man expires and where is he? As water evaporates from the sea... And a river becomes parched and dried up, so man lies down and does not rise until, until the heavens be no more. He will not awake nor be aroused out of his sleep. What is Job saying here? Until the heavens be no more. That's when he'll rise, but not until then. That's Job 14, 1 through 4. Hebrews 11 and 19 tells us this. It tells us that Abraham in Genesis chapter 20, in Genesis chapter 22, that God was able to raise men even from the dead for which he also received him, Isaac, his son, back as a type. In the book of Hebrews, in the hall of faith, he says it. That Isaac, that he was going to receive Isaac back as a type. As a type of what? As a type of the resurrection. That even though he was going to go up to the mountain to slay him, that the Lord would then raise him back up. Not a new concept. Not a new concept. Isaiah 26 and 19. Your dead will live. Their corpses will rise. You who lay down in the dust, awake and shout for joy. For your dew is as the dew of the dawn, which means it is short-lived. Your life is in the earth will give birth to the departed spirits. Isaiah spoke about it all through his book. That was 26 and 19. Yes, just as surely as Joseph was raised out of the pit when his brothers deemed him dead... And they threw him in the pit. As sure as he was raised out of the pit and as sure as he wanted his bones brought out of Egypt, you and I, all of us, one day will rise again if the Lord tarries. Some to everlasting life and some unto contempt. Do we believe that? Daniel was as good as dead when he was thrown into the lion's den. But he came back out, didn't he? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they should have been toast. Burnt toast. But it says, but they came out. Not a hair on their head was singed. Their clothes did not stink. They were not harmed at all. They were brought out. We too will be delivered on that day. Even though our spirits will be with the Lord, our bodies will not be left behind. But will reunite with our spirits in the end. That's what 1 Thessalonians teaches us. And that is so clear in Scripture. And this is the resurrection of the righteous. Number two.
Third and finally, the resurrection of the wicked. And as surely as the righteous soul goes to glory and waits for their resurrected body, in like manner, the wicked body will not be left in the ground. Nor does their soul go to purgatory or anything of the sort, which is just crazy that people can think they can buy somebody out of purgatory. So stupid. The wicked at the death of their body goes to the ground. Their body goes to the ground just like the righteous goes to the ground. And their soul goes to Hades, a place of torment, until the end of time when the Lord raises them up, resurrects them. Yes, the wicked will be raised. And just like the righteous, the wicked, their soul will reunite with their body and they will be judged. They will be judged. And they will be cast into hell, which is the second death. Revelations in chapter 20. Listen to what it says. Revelations in chapter 20, 11. 11, let me see. 11 through 15. I want you to see this. Remember, it was Jesus who's giving you this breath to breathe, so just stay with me. Revelations 20, 11 through 15. And I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence death and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. This is why the Word of God teaches us that it will never fail and that it lasts forever because one day our lives will be uh, lined up next to it and we will be judged accordingly. And the sea gave up the dead which is in it and death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them and they were judged. Every one of them according to their deeds and death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. What we have to understand, and it's not something that we like to discuss or something that we like to talk about because we like everything to be great because we want to think about heaven and going there. But one thing that we have to remember, if the righteous will have real bodies to enjoy glory with, then the unrighteous, the wicked, will have real bodies to be tormented in hell with. You say, oh, no, there ain't going to be real bodies down there. Oh, yeah, it will. It will. If the righteous is going to have them in glory, the wicked's going to have them in hell. Does the scripture in the gospels not teach us by Jesus himself that there would be weeping? What does it take to weep? Who said eyes? My wife. Hmm. She's paying attention because she knows I'm going to ask her later. It takes eyes to weep, doesn't it? Tear ducts and eyes. 
Jesus himself tells us that there would be weeping. Weeping. Yes. Weeping. What does that mean? It's be real bodies. Yes. Real bodies in hell. I mean, I think that this is that we can see this pretty clearly. Real body parts set on fire in hell. But the scripture doesn't just stop there, does it? It says weeping and what? Gnashing of dentures? No. Teeth. See, there's going to be some change in the body. I don't know exactly what it'll be, but those that lost teeth will have them. <laughs> really, man. <laughs> If y'all could only hear what happened on this front pew over here, what's said. <laughs> Weeping and gnashing of teeth. Real teeth, not fake ones. Teeth biting others and their selves. Teeth biting others and biting themselves, but never devouring each other. For all eternity... Weeping and gnashing of teeth in a place of torment in a lake of fire. Do we see that if the righteous will have renewed, resurrected bodies that, that we'll be able to see the, the brilliancy of Christ and, and, the, and the beauty of his character and, and his love, then don't we understand that the wicked... We'll see hell for what it is. They will experience it. But it ain't going to be at a complete annihilation. Poof, you're gone. No, it's going to be a lasting, a lasting torment. If we know their eyeballs and teeth, we also know the rest of the body will be there too. The rich man wanted water for what? His what? His tongue. So here we have eyeballs, we have teeth, and we have a tongue. The rich man shows us a man that was alert. Alert in hell? He was alert? Absolutely. Absolutely. If his senses were alive and active, oh yeah, he was alert. The body in that great day will be of the unrighteous will be fit for destruction. It will never burn up, but will be in hell fire for all eternity. The rich man shows us this very clearly. It says that he was alert. He knew what was going on. He hurt. He was thirsty. He was very much alive in hell. They call it the second death. But he was very much alive, feeling everything that was going on. It wasn't a party. This is not Satan's hell. He's going there, and he's going to suffer and be tormented, just like the rest of them that's going It doesn't belong to him. He's not going to be the one throwing the party. There is no party. Hell is a place of torment. 
for the wicked, just as heaven is a place of joyous glory for the righteous. This is truth. You know that rich man that was in hell who looked up and spoke to Abraham? You know one thing that I, that I see about him? That he could think while he was there. Could he not? He reasoned, didn't he? Boy, oh, man, if, if I could just get a, a drop of water on my tongue, just a sip. Well, that'll, that'll do it all. He even tried to persuade. He could think, he could speak. He could listen, yeah. couldn't he? Yeah. He listened to what Abraham had to say back to him. He could feel. He obviously could feel. He could taste. He could touch and he could see. See, he was real body. Real flesh and real bone. Set on fire in hell. Because he did not trust in the resurrected one. Jesus Christ. Amen. And there, there is no deliverance from this torment of hell. It, it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. Yes, yes. People don't talk about it much anymore because they're scared to run people off. Amen. COVID did a pretty good job of that. Yes. So we might as well, right? Amen. But I want us to understand something. This morning there is hope. There is hope. There is hope in Christ for you and for me. But let me reiterate this. That hope is only in Christ. No other way. We know what he says. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I'm the door. I'm the gate. We must enter through Him and His shed blood. It's because Christ rose from the dead that we will rise too. As Daniel 12, 1 teaches us, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt. And punishment. Examine your heart to see which one you will be. Let's pray.